that winter's here. Have a merry Christmas time. Stars above, oh how they shine. So have a merry Christmas time. It sure seems the Christmas season is in full swing, and as you're getting invited to or maybe hosting parties and baking cookies and checking items off your shopping list, we want to take a special look today at the characters and the people who were involved in the very first Christmas story. I'm John Fuller. Welcome to another episode of the Christmas Stories podcast. And I'm joined once again by Paul Batura, Diane Angolia, and Lisa Anderson. And before we get into kind of some of the weightier issues, let me just ask kind of a cultural moment question of you all. Movies, Christmas movies. I'm not a huge, huge fan, but there are some classic Christmas films. And I wonder if you identify or appreciate any of them or any of the characters in particular. I love Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh! That's one of my favorites. Mm. And what I love is he, Charlie, is just a picture of the hustle and bustle and all of the worries of things that really don't matter. And then along comes Linus with his simple statement on the stage with nothing and just gives you the pure, clean story of Christmas. And I think I I love that because it brings it right back to the whole meaning, Jesus. Yeah. Well, I think since I grew up with that one, that that's actually mm-hmm. what I was going to say was Charlie Brown and Linus. I just mm-hmm. love the simplicity and the the weight of what Linus says. Now, I don't know, Paul, Lisa, we might have set you up for failure here. <laughs> you I, might have something like Die Hard. I actually w- would love to watch that movie if I could watch it on mute because I can't stand the soundtrack, which I know is a very unpopular opinion, oh. but I just, uh, it's, it's nails not Southern on gospel the, enough for it's you. nails on the chalkboard <laughs> for me. So the one that I thought of, and actually it was funny because knowing that we were going to discuss this I actually googled like Christmas movies just to make sure I wasn't missing any and it was like top 60 Christmas movies and I think I've seen like 12 of them so that was interesting I probably need to watch movies but that said my my character for sure is Bob Cratchit Hmm. in A Christmas Carol just because I mean what a picture of mercy and forgiveness and every time he has done a bad turn by Scrooge he just gets back to the fact that he doesn't need Scrooge's approval he can love him lavishly Hmm. out of the love that we have assuming from Christ so I love him that's good Paul yeah I mean none of you have brought up you know it's a wonderful life and you know it's sort of like always mentioning Jesus as the answer to every Sunday school question but I mean how can you not love that movie and Mm -hmm. um, the whole redemption in the end and I know that's theologically questionable but you know that's when I'm in a thoughtful mood when I'm not in such a thoughtful Christmas mood I I love a Christmas story Mm -hmm. the uh, the BB gun and and, you know that's Christmas through a child's eyes Gene Shepard wrote that that's based on a book that he wrote called In God We Trust All Others Send Cash. <laughs> and they took that story and they turned it into the Christmas movie, which is just fun. And the older I get, the more I relate to the dad. In the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting how these things work. Well, uh, we're going to listen now to Adam Holtz. He spends a lot of time reviewing movies for our plugged in team here at Focus on the Family. And Adam described one of his favorite characters of the Christmas story itself and why he's been inspired. And you'll hear from a number of other staff members in this clip as well. Well, I relate to Joseph, um, not because I have a baby who becomes the son of God, but Joseph is is largely silent. Now, that's not how I relate to him because I tend to talk a lot. But Joseph, he tries to do the right thing. You know, this crazy thing happens 
to the young, relatively young girl that he is betrothed to, and virtually anybody else probably would have left her. And in fact, we see that he pondered that, and obviously, apart from some angelic interference, maybe he would have done that. Um, but how hard must it have been for him to shoulder that burden and to try to understand and to be present for Mary? And largely in this story, we see what he did. Uh, we don't hear a lot about what he thought or what he said. And there, you know, there are a few uh, exceptions to that. But Joseph, I think, offers an example for us as fathers of what it means to to love, to sacrifice, to be present, to listen to God, to be obedient. And I think to enter into a calling with his young wife that they shared together. This is going to sound strange, but I, I do find Herod really compelling. He's not, he's not the guy who, you know, you want to, to um, embody, but he's such an interesting character because I think through him you see you see the world behind this great gift. You see the pressures. You see the idea, the jealousies that take place. Um, and I think that, that looking at him gives you more of a context for for the story more broadly, in a way. Um, it, it becomes less it becomes less like a Bible story and more like a cut of history, if that makes sense, where you can you can sense the place and the time. Um, I'm also really compelled by Joseph, of course. We all know the backstory of Joseph, right? He he was going to divorce Mary very quietly, so to do her a favor because she was pregnant, and the idea that he um, was a man of honor in that way. Uh, to be that thoughtful about those issues is is interesting, um, but the fact that he turned it all around when he he learned the truth, and that um, it was really far 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 more important for him to to be a part of this new family against probably a lot of a lot of people within his own community who were uh, who were not who were thinking he was making a terrible mistake. I mean, I think that's that's a pretty interesting thing. I think a character that really inspires me is Mary. I love her response to the news and the irony of it. It's something that was probably both tremendously exciting and tremendously terrifying. Um, thinking about being honored, she mentions in her prayer that um, she'll be remembered, you know, by men, but she'll also possibly in that time be remembered for something that could be considered shameful. Um, people would automatically assume that she had been in adultery and that could be punishable by stoning. So it's just such an, an irony of honor and shame. And I think sometimes we forget that. You know, we just think, Mary, do you know? And it's just this beautiful story, and it is. That's so true. But also, I think, you know, we can't just separate that from the challenges that must have she must have faced for that time. Mary and Elizabeth's relationship, I think, is incredible. Um, 
because Elizabeth could have been full of envy that her son was not the chosen Messiah, but she rejoiced along with John in her womb that the Messiah was coming. Um, and then Mary's great humility and her submission to God. I think he's asked me to do a lot easier things than <laughs> to raise the Messiah. And I have done it with a lot more fighting and kicking and screaming. And so I really, I really appreciate just Elizabeth and Mary's humility and their rejoicing in the plan of our father. I feel like every time I either listen to it or see it, I, I love The Chosen. And I love how in their Christmas special uh, for 2021, they uh, did a short film called The Messengers, and they showed the birth of Christ through the eyes of Mary and Joseph. So the year before, they did it through the eyes of the shepherds, and then they did it through the eyes of Mary and Joseph. And I guess I just loved all the different points of view. Because with the shepherd, you saw how, you know, he was the outcast and, you know, he was really the misfit trying to figure out where he fit in. And it was a beautiful story of Christ showing us this story is for you. This isn't just for the high kings, but this is for that misfit shepherd. And being able to see it the second time with the messengers, I loved that because you really got a good point of view of what was it like for them? You know, what was it like to be Mary who said yes to something that would bring on a lot of cultural shame and stigma and would outcast her? And I also loved how they portrayed Joseph and just seeing how, you know, a lot of times we look at Mary because she was the one who was carrying Jesus, but we don't really focus on Joseph and the weight of the role that he had to play, choosing to say yes and go forward with um, you know, getting engaged in Mary, not divorcing her publicly or quietly, and just really saying yes to the Lord, even though it was really faith that he was walking on, that, you know, she hadn't cheated on him, that, you know, he was going to be their protector and would have this huge role to play in the genealogy of, you know, Christ's, Christ's family line. And so each time I hear the story, each time I, you know, watch, you know, a short film or something on it, I get a different point of view and a different appreciation for uh, each person's role in it. You know, what really stands out to me is um, the group of people, the Magi. I think the most powerful thing that I see with them is that they initially, they told Herod about the birth of Jesus um, and maybe weren't super clear on him what his intentions were, but then the angel of God appears to them and says, um, take a different way. Um, you know, don't, don't return to Herod. Just the fact that they stepped out in obedience, um, that's something uh, that is super powerful for me. This might sound a little weird, but one of the characters that really stands out to me is Herod, actually. As you read about Herod's response to Christ coming down, he he hears this prophecy, you know, of this is the one, this is, this is the one who's going to be the king, you know. And obviously to, to Herod, who is king at that point, that's very threatening to him. And, and instead of going uh, with the Magi to worship, he actually lies to them. He says, hey, tell me where the kid is so that I can go and worship him. But then, you know, God tells the Magi, do not, do not return to him. What really strikes me about Herod in that story, though, is just how he cannot succeed because like, like I said before, everything is from the work of God. It was God who, who put Christ down there. 
And so nothing can stand against him. No human, no created thing can stand against God. And that, I mean, that's just something I, I just look at his response of pure anger and that so much so that he would go and massacre a bunch of children, you know, and I think about that and I'm just, I'm just amazed at the fact that, you know, our hearts are just often so opposed to such good news. You know, we look back on the Christmas story and we're like, wow, that's amazing. But then you see people, you know, at that time period, you're like, oh, this is awful, <laughs> you know, and but, you know, we know we know the outcome of that story. We know that it was never going to end in that negative way. And so that, that that's always so comforting to me is that, you know, it really shows how in control God is. And, and I love that. The angel Gabriel would have to be my most favorite character in the Christmas story. I think it's amazing. I just can't even imagine being in the position of seeing an angel and him telling me this amazing thing that has happened and you know I must go to find Jesus and I think it's just so powerful because even though an angel isn't God it's kind of God making himself known among people of the flesh and I think that's just such a cool thing. When I think of one of the most brave people in the Christmas story I think of Mary and I know that's probably a typical answer but to think of it in perspective Um, There was a sermon that I heard when I was a teenager that really, I remember it, putting it all into light because they talked about the historical context of Mary. So Mary was a teenager, a very young teenager when she became pregnant with Jesus. And in that culture, it was crazy. Like she would have been completely shamed for being pregnant. There's no way, no one would have believed that she just, because it was just God gave her this baby. No one was going to believe that. And the fact that she had the courage to keep going and also Joseph is also super inspiring because he made the decision to stay with her. He could have left her. He had every single reason to do so and he didn't. But Mary was so faithful to God that she kept going through all of that. Like no matter what was in her way, no matter who was making fun of her, no matter who was shaming her, she kept going. And she was proud that she was carrying the Savior. And I think that's just so beautiful. There are so many people in the Christmas story that we can learn from. And uh, now we have the privilege of hearing from our own Focus on the Family staff member, Kennedy Unthank, who is part of our plugged-in team here at the ministry. He's going to read Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 80. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, 
Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. I love reflecting on this narrative in the scripture. It is beautiful to see uh, how the promise God made to Zechariah earlier in Luke chapter 1 comes to fulfillment in this uh, part of the scripture. And I wonder, Paul, let me start with you. What stands out to you in this section of the Christmas story? Yeah, I love the line that that says, the Lord uh, showed great mercy. Mm. Um, To me, that is so heartwarming. It's so reassuring. Uh, because, you know, we tend to think of Christmas as this picture-perfect Hallmark holiday. And, you know, the early, the first Christmas was chaotic. It was not anything that uh, you'd probably uh, put on a card. And yet uh, we do now because we know the end of the story. Mm. But I just I just love that it just, to me, demonstrates God's graciousness and uh, his willingness to show mercy to us. Mm. Yeah. Diane? I like how it just shows that our lives are in God's hands. We have a perfect time in our mind, and God says no. And like Zachariah, he was taken by surprise by what was going to happen in there. And it's like God doesn't always act fast, but he acts quickly when he does. And how great for Zachariah to be in the right place at the right time. And it's like our part is to trust and obey, and the hard part is to wait. I really love how in verse 66, all the neighbors are gathered around and they say, well, what then will this child be? And it says, for the hand of the Lord was with him. And then just the outlay of that is that it then says all the things that John the Baptist would do and be tasked with and have a huge purpose. But then it finishes out, which I think is so great, especially as someone who talks to young adults all the time about like, what's my purpose? What does God have for me? What is, it says that he basically like wandered around in the wilderness until God decided like, okay, now's your time. And a lot of times we can feel like we're in a wilderness, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't have purpose for us. Yeah. And I think echoing some of what you've uh, alluded to, I I was really drawn to uh, think back to the first part of the chapter uh, in which Zechariah asked for a sign, and God gave him one, but not what he was expecting, and it went all the time of the pregnancy. So it was a long, long time that he had to wait for the fulfillment to see, what is this going to be like? And at the end, it's it's hard, but God is good, and he, he delivered absolutely everything he promised. Well, we're going to turn now to uh, hear from Jody Burnt. Uh, she's a very popular broadcast guest here at the ministry, and she called in and shared about some of the people 
uh, who stand out to her from that original Christmas story. And here is Jody, and afterwards you'll hear from Deborah Faleta and Kay Wyma. When Mary finds out she's pregnant, of course, we know she's betrothed, but not wed yet. And the Bible tells us that Joseph had in mind to divorce her quietly, but he doesn't. Thanks be to God, the angel appears to him too. But Mary goes off and spends some time with Elizabeth, her older relative. And that totally escaped me as a child. But as an adult and as a woman who is very aware of female relationships and how there can sometimes be grains of jealousy or competitiveness or any of that. I love the way that Elizabeth champions her younger relative. You know, she comes alongside her the moment she sees her. Blessed are you and blessed is the child you will bear. And I just have to think that Mary, this young teenager, I just think her heart must have sung as she felt that affirmation coming from this other woman, this older, wiser woman. And I, I want to follow their example. Um, Elizabeth, I think, could easily have thought, huh, why did God pick Mary? You know, I'm married to this priest. I, I've prayed for a baby for years. Mary's just a teenager. Why wasn't I chosen to bear the Messiah? I, I've heard where every Jewish woman sort of at that time thought, wow, maybe it'll be me. The Messiah is coming And so I think it would have been easy for Elizabeth to sort of nurse her own jealousies or anything, and none of that. Instead, it's that Romans 12, we rejoice with those who rejoice. And she just, for me, sets the best scriptural example of what it looks like to come alongside somebody. And we know Mary must have had some uncertainty, but to just come alongside somebody and say, you know, she who has believed uh, what the Lord has promised is going to be blessed. And I think Elizabeth really affirmed Mary and underscored the angel's words and the angel's blessings. So I want to be able to do that to other women as well. When I see God calling someone or doing something in someone's life, you know, his provision for another woman never uh, reduces his ability to bless or provide for us or show favor to us. And we have this weird mindset sometimes that there's a scarcity there or a limit there and there's not. So I want to follow Elizabeth and just be a huge champion when I see someone else being blessed. I think the shepherds stand out to me because they were just at the right place at the right time. I mean, they they weren't doing anything to warrant the announcement of the birth of the king. They were just living their lives, and they were chosen to come and see the birth of the king. And I think... You know, a lot of times I look at my life and I see that so many times I'm not doing anything to warrant the gifts that God has given me and the ministry, the family, the kids, the whatever it is. I mean, we if we open our eyes enough, we'll see the blessings that, that God pours out. And um, I think it's just a reminder that we are given this gift, whether it be the, the things that we have in life or whether it be salvation. We're given this gift, and all we have to do is, just like the shepherds, be willing to receive it. And so I think out of all the characters in the Christmas story, I relate to the shepherds the most. Well, I think Joseph really does. I am so moved by his humility, by his acceptance of an expectation that didn't go quite the way that he thought it was going to in his absolute trust in God's provision and Joseph's purpose on this earth. And I think that's amazing. 
to be able to do that and inspiring I mean, it's like, gosh, that question's so loaded, because how do you not look at Mary and her humility and her, you know, just being called righteous at such a young age and and what that looks like, and not in some burdensome way that you have to be a certain way. It's in this beautiful way that they both received the safety of a message that came to them and said, this is my plan. This is what's happening. I'm involving you in it, and it's safe, even though everything around it looked unsafe. That speaks volume in our life today, and I'm guessing in in the lives of a lot of listeners. And to be able to know that our Lord is safe, He has redeemed us, He knows us by name, He calls us by name, and He sees us, and He has a purpose and a gifting for each one of us, just like He did for Mary and Joseph. I think there's so much in the supernatural that's taking place that we often dismiss. And so for me, it's the angels. I think a lot of times we we put this little pretty angel, this little innocent angel on top of a Christmas tree instead of a star. And and we make these angels out to be these meek, mild beings when the reality is, is that every angel who showed up in the shepherds in the field, like the shepherds in the field who were the lowly of the lowest of the low were the first to know that Jesus was born because the, the angels had showed up. But every time an angel showed up, whether it was to Mary, whether it was to the shepherds in the field, everybody trembled in fear. They have such a presence. They have such a beauty about them. They shine such a light that I think we often forget the power of the supernatural that's being carried out in the world around in the supernatural world around us. The angels and the shepherds in that scene where the angels show up in the field and the shepherds find out and they're the first to find out through these incredible angelic beings. To me, there's something about that story and about that moment that I think we often overlook that has so much meaning to it in terms of who angels are but then also as messengers and and protectors, but then also who Jesus is prioritizing in the world around us, the meek, the mild, and those in society that, that really don't have a voice often. That last guest was Josh Straub, and uh, he and his wife have written a terrific book. It's called 25 Days of the Christmas Story, an Advent Family Experience. It is a terrific resource for you this season and in every future Christmas season. Uh, Get it today when you make a donation of any amount to the Ministry of Focus on the Family. And we'll link uh, to the donation opportunity and the book in the show notes. And then on our website, you can sign up for uh, weekly Advent devotionals. Uh, These are uh, great and helpful, and they offer hope, especially this week. That's the theme for this week's devotional. Uh, You'll find details about those devotionals in the show notes. Next time, we'll be covering Luke chapter 2, and uh, that's about the birth of Jesus. And for right now, on behalf of Diane Angulia, Paul Batura, Lisa Anderson, Alex and John in the production booth, and others, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for joining us for the Focus on the Family Christmas Stories podcast. Yes, my friend, it's here again to yours and mine. Yes, my friend, it's time again. Have a merry Christmas.